0: To Revive Your Self-Trust by Ayan Farvahar Your self-trust is not about things you did or do, but rather seeing your life as an image of Divine wishing to manifest through you. Hi, this is Ayan Farvahar. I am glad you are here. If it's your first time here, this channel is about self-realization and honoring a life purpose and meaning. If you are interested in these topics, please subscribe to stay connected. Today, we want to focus on the personal quality of self-trust, or simply our ability to believe in ourselves, our decisions, and our way of life. We want to know more about how we gain self-trust, what makes us lose it, and how we can revive or reaffirm it. Self-trust is the foundation of our personality and is behind our self-respect, self-confidence, and even self-love. When we have a low level of self-trust, all of our decisions are mixed with doubt, and everything we do is being observed by our inner critics, who are aware of this doubt, and view it as a sign of weakness or incompetence. If we happen to fail or make mistakes, which we all do occasionally, these inner critics give us a sense of guilt for what happened and make us feel shame for not being able to prevent it. With these self-negating feelings, it becomes harder to believe, respect, and love ourselves, even if these are what we truly deserve or want. Here, you can see how self-doubt can awaken our inner critics and their shaming or self-diminishing feelings. But on the flip side, when we trust ourselves, doubt has little room in our decisions or actions. Our inner critics are relaxed, and our occasional failure or mistakes in life are no longer seen as reflections of who we are, but rather as experiences that make us grow and become wiser as they are meant to be. This is why self-trust is the foundation of our personality and should be our foremost goal in life. If you resonate with this message, you may find the ideas presented here useful, more specifically, the answers to the following questions. What is self-trust and how it first comes about? Also, what makes us lose or not have enough self-trust? and what can we do to revive or reaffirm our self-trust. These topics may seem a bit analytical, but your awareness of them can give you new perspectives on inner workings of your mind. These perspectives help you strengthen your self-trust and believe more in yourself, your decisions, and your ability to overcome every challenge life brings you. Self-trust gives you courage to follow your destiny by actualizing your highest potentialities in life, so nourishing it should be the first step in pursuit of your ideals. Please note that the ideas presented here are based on my personal experience and understanding if you are interested in academic views on this topic, consider further research in areas such as developmental psychology. What is self-trust and how it first comes about? In simplest term, self-trust reflects our ability to trust what we feel, think, decide, or do in life without any doubt or desire for external validation. Unfortunately, we are not born with self-trust and must develop it in the course of our life. This process begins with how our parents, guardians, or teachers viewed us when we were little, and whether we grew up in an environment that cultivated the following two qualities. At least, one of our parents or guardians gave us unconditional love and acceptance for who we were as a child. Also, at least one of our parents, guardians, or teachers called us to adventure and courage without judging or criticizing how we did that. These two conditions are necessary for self-trust because, through unconditional love and acceptance during our childhood, we develop a sense of personal self-worth, which does not depend on what we do or what happens to us, but rather who we simply are. Similarly, through adventures without fear of judgment, we learn to trust our ability to make decisions and face challenges. Self-trust comes naturally when we grow up believing in our personal worth and our ability to independently overcome challenges. Unfortunately for most of us, conditions during our childhood may not have been ideal for developing enough self-trust. For example, some of us may have had loving but over-controlling or over-protective parents, not trusting us to make decisions, to exercise independence, or to face challenges to develop courage. Or the opposite, we had to grow up with parents who were emotionally cold and unavailable, but pushed us hard toward achievements and skills. None of these conditions are ideal, because with overprotective parents, we end up lacking courage or independence to trust ourselves. And, with emotionally unavailable but goal-oriented parents, we may end up finding our personal worth in our achievements and not in who we are in the core of our being. So, realistically, Growing up in an ideal environment almost never happens because our parents might not have had it either. This means we need to nourish and continue to raise our self-trust as adults. What does make us lose or not have enough self-trust? What does cause us lose self-trust? In simple terms, we lose self-trust when we unintentionally mix up what we did or happened to us with how we see ourselves as a person. For example, if we experience rejection in a relationship, we may give this rejection a moral meaning, seeing ourselves as not being worthy of love or a good enough person. When we give moral meanings to everything in our life, we let what happened to us define how we view ourselves as a person. But, is that really fair? Probably not. As another example, if a night shift worker happens to fall asleep on the wheel and end up hurting someone in an accident, The person is definitely responsible or guilty, but is it fair to shame or see this person as bad or evil? Probably not, because not everything that happens to us has enough merits to morally define who we are as a person. This subtle distinction is probably the most important point in our today's presentation. We tend to lose self-trust when we let our failures or negative experiences in our life change the way we see ourselves. We do that by giving moral meanings to who we are as a person to explain why something happened to us. Once we start labeling ourselves as a bad person, as not smart or good enough, or not worthy of love or compassion, we begin to doubt ourselves, and through that, awaken our inner critics to judge our every move. This puts us in a never ending cycle of self-doubt and self-critical shaming voices, blocking our pursuit of ideals in life. If we have known ourselves to be a good person, If we believe we have good intentions, and want to always do the right thing, and if we want others to recognize these in us, is it really fair to have self-doubt? Probably not. What can we do to revive or reaffirm our self-trust? Self-trust is a personal quality that needs constant nourishment and affirmation in life, like a plant that needs attention, care, and proper nourishment. Fortunately, there are many ways to do that. For example, here are a few useful practical ideas and tips I personally experienced and used start noticing parts of your personality that have doubts about you and your abilities. These could be your inner critics that have seen you being criticized or judged by others, especially when you were growing up, or during difficult times in your life when you were overstretched or could not handle everything which was expected of you. These inner critics may still be stuck in the past, and judge you and your ability based on those experiences. Consider some inner works to connect to and update these parts of your personality, to help them transform their perspectives of you. IFS Self Leadership is a practical approach for this. It helps you become curious about these critical and shaming parts of your personality, understand how they came about, and invite them to trust you. IFS does that by helping you connect to your purest sense of self in the core of your being. You can conceptualize this sense of self as your soul, your open heart, your inner wisdom, your inner guide, and so on. Once you are connected to this source through IFS practice, you embody its courage and confidence. These are exactly what inner critics need to see in you. I leave a couple of useful links related to IFS in the description below, in case you are interested to know more about it and how it works. When making decisions or doing something, spend time to notice your good intentions and the fact that you are open to do the right thing no matter what happens. Noticing your good intentions and openness to do the right thing in all circumstances invites a sense of honor and self-trust, because irrespective of the outcome, you know you had the best intentions in mind. Consider your commitments, both to yourselves and others, as code of honor, and only commit to things you would certainly do. Even when committing to yourself, don't commit to something you are unsure to follow through. Just honoring this rule alone helps you raise your self-trust and confidence, because you learn to trust yourself through honoring your words. Realize that mistakes and failures, either yours or others, are inseparable parts of life experience. This awareness invites courage to accept responsibility and refrain from blaming others when things don't work out. Not stigmatizing mistakes and failures keeps you away from temptations of blaming yourself or others and make you appreciate the value of your experiences, regardless of their outcome. When trying to understand a mistake or failure, either yours or others, notice the nature of your feelings and avoid giving them moral meaning. You can do this by trying to understand what happened without morally judging the person who did it including yourself. Closing Remarks In closing, I hope you have found the ideas presented here useful in understanding inner workings of your mind. The most important takeaway is to recognize that our mistakes and bad experiences have life-promoting values, and we need them. To learn and grow in life. So, as long as we have good intentions and want to do the right thing, it is not necessary to give moral meanings to these experiences, especially if they make us or others feel shame. Even if there are still habits or actions we are not proud of, seeing them separately from who we are, helps us to stay connected to the sacred core of our being as humans. Only then, we can continue to transform toward our ideal version of being. If you have found this presentation useful, please like and share it with your like-minded friends. Also, please subscribe to my channel and share your thoughts and comments. Your support is a foundation of this channel and encourages me to create more content in the future. For more information about myself and what I do, please find my bio link in the description below. Also, if you have requests for future topics, please share it as a comment or contact me through my bio link below. Blessings